Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. He obviously wanted to visit that part of the world again, and so Mum wanted to visit him, it with him, but um, they never did. And when we were younger, when we lived in Sheffield, Dad used to pack the car up with the tent and all us kids and in the middle of the night and we'd drive south and we always headed down to Cornwall and that's where we had our summer holidays in a tent usually in the pouring rain in Cornwall but maybe they thought they had a better chance of of the weather down there than they did in Scotland. I was amazed that the postal service was so good from the front line in Europe that my granddad could send back his dirty washing to Olga and she would sort it out and send it back to him. These are the words of real people written between 1940 and 1946. The views expressed may differ from the ideals of today and there are, on occasion, descriptions of war that some may find distressing. Letter, Wednesday 23rd of August, 1944. Hello again, darling. Today brought the good news of the fall of Paris. Although we've been expecting it, it came as a shock. It must be grand for the people there, and gave us something of the feeling we ourselves might feel when the war is over. I was pleased that the French forces of the interior played such a big part themselves. Thursday evening news is still good tonight. I often look at the maps these days and wonder where you can be bobbing around in it all. The main thing, Ducks, is do be careful. I love you lots and lots, Olga. P.S. Just listen to the headlines. The news is still grand. Americans across the men. British and Canadians across the Seine. Advance up the Rhone Valley, etc. Letter 2, 19th of August, 1944. Good evening, darling. Things have got moving at last and are they moving? We might even beat Uncle Joe to Berlin. At least we can make a grand race for it. I received my second tape today, Corporal Stripes. The first one hasn't come through yet on orders, so I can't send the form to the office, but I will write and let them know about this extra nine pence per day. I'm now drawing 37 shilling per week and not a thing in sight on which to spend it. We get a canteen issue once a week and my share averages about one shilling. What a lovely blowout we'll have when I get back and bring all my credits home. It's nearly bedtime now and I've all the troop mail to collect. I may have some time tomorrow to write you a real letter, but if not, well, you'll at least have this hasty little note to be going on with. Good night, darling. Sweet dreams and all my love. Cyril. 
27th of August. The days come and go and each day I'm going to finish this letter and each day comes dusk and I haven't written another line. Yes, darling, when I heard of the new landing I couldn't associate St. Raphael, St. Maxime and Cavalier with scenes of war. What a change there's been in the war map since I left home. Things seem to be moving towards a ground climax, or anti-climax. Romania out, Bulgaria out. The last Russian offensive in the south, when all had their eyes on the central and northern fronts, has certainly shaken the axis. Good old Joe, still several moves ahead, though he'll have to get cracking if he wants to beat us to Berlin. The American advance has clearly shown where the Germany troops amassed. However, I think the opposition will stiffen as we approach Germany. My hope is that they'll be able to break right through quickly instead of having another long slugging match on defence lines. It looks as though you'll have a good session at night school without any air raid interruptions. When you reach the subject of burns in first aid, let me know what the latest treatment and methods are now being taught. When I did the course, they were still messing about with tannic acid and such like. At present, we're using sulfonamide cream. It's wonderful stuff. Our driver was lighting the stove last week when his hand and wrist caught fire. They were covered with petrol. He got a bad secondary burn. I smeared the cream on within a couple of minutes. Normally he would have been ill for many weeks, but he's coming out of hospital tomorrow. British Liberation Army. Yes, ducks, the folks round here are so free they don't even have roofs and complete walls. This last week I was in Bayeux, saw the cathedral with a cop of the famous Bayeux Tapestry. Had a good walk round the town. The place is absolutely intact, not even a broken window. Yet only a few miles away there isn't a whole house in the district. The shops are almost empty, except for butter and cheese, and we're forbidden to buy those things. It's a good idea, otherwise the troops would cause a shortage. Up would go the prices, and the civvies who have to depend on the shops would go short. Well, ducks, that's all the letters. As for news from this end, well, as usual, there isn't any. On Friday, we visited a mobile shower unit and had a hot shower. I'd better finish this letter now before dinner, seal it up and take it to the office. Otherwise, it'll be waiting a few more days. Keep smiling through. Love and kisses, Cyril. Letter 7, Sunday 3rd of September 1944. Good evening, sweetheart. Thursday, I received your letter number 3. What a lovely ten-pager. I was relieved right from the start. The war is moving so quickly now that even our decent mail service makes all our remarks out of date. You say in your letter that opposition may stiffen as the troops near Germany. But now British and American troops are well inside Belgium and there are even unconfirmed reports that there has been fighting on the German side of the Maginot line. I only hope that this keeps up. For one reason, while the enemy is in constant retreat, we must be having lighter casualties than if the battle became set. That's all for now, darling. Take care of yourself. I love you. Olga. Kiss, kiss, kiss. Letter 4, 3rd of September 1944. Good evening, beautiful. Tonight I have this letter to start and finish or else you'll be thinking the worst has happened. According to the 8 o'clock news this morning, things are moving for a speedy end of the war. Finland out, we're halfway across Belgium, newsflash, Brussels taken. I wonder if the Germans will fight for it or if they realise it's either us or the Red Army and therefore the High Commander prefer us to enter Germany first. With just a teeny-weeny bit of love to be going on with, Cyril. 
Letter 8, Friday 8th of September, 1944. Good evening, darling. Just a few lines tonight and then I'll finish in the morning. Yes, ducks, the news is still good. In fact, this last month has been terrific. But even though we live in exciting days, we don't forget the boys who make this news possible. And convoys of wounded would serve to remind us of the price that has to be paid. For us at home, you will know, of course, that from the 17th there's to be no more real blackout. At least we only have to draw curtains. It's a great relief, as you can well imagine, after over five years. You probably remember Nora Walker. She was a big friend of Vera Calais. A fair, nice-looking girl. I asked around to tea. As I rightly guessed, there would be not much available at the show. Her husband, George, has been away four years. He was taken prisoner at Tobruk in June 1942 and has been in prison camps all over since. He's now in Poland. He made a getaway this year when he was in a camp right up in northern Italy and walked for two months. Was almost in hearing of our lines when he was recaptured and sent to this camp in Poland. Nora had a letter from a fellow in Rome who for months lived in the hills and had met George. He said he hoped he had arrived home and said when he met him he had no shoes and his feet were lacerated. I must end here, ducks, as I'm going once more to have a bath. I'm going to Newsom's tomorrow evening, so I'll send you the news in my next letter. Good night now, sweetheart. All my love always, Olga. Kiss, kiss, kiss. Letter 10, Friday the 15th of September 1944 Good evening, sweetheart. In today's worker, there is the rehash of the death of Falman, the German communist leader, along with several other political prisoners in Buchenwald camp. I had the European News Service on tonight and there was a good five minutes devoted to the significance of this. It is alleged that they were killed by an RAF raid but the RAF say that no raid took place there on August 28th or any nights just before or after that date, which means that these men were murdered in cold blood and after 11 years' imprisonment. The announcer gave the number of such camps in Germany and the number of political prisoners held in these camps and pointed out that this was just the beginning of a wholesale massacre of these prisoners and that the only people who could stop this slaughter would be the German people themselves. I hope you're still well and safe, ducks. That is always my chief thought, morning, noon and night. Good night, my darling. All my love always. Olga. Kiss, kiss, kiss. Letter 11, Thursday 21st of September 1944. Evening, darling. Blackout is over. It's still dim out, of course, but that terrible blackness has gone. Windows show soft lights through the curtains and the street lighting is also better. If there should be an emergency, I've got the kitchen black with the roller blinds so I could have a light on in there. There's nothing much more to say from this end, except the things I'd rather whisper than write. And I do whisper them every night before I go to sleep. And then I wonder what it'll be like when you're always here and not having to worry about you going away again. But then that's dreaming again. And right now, life's anything but a dream, isn't it, darling? And unfortunately, there won't be anything else to occupy my mind. I did keep hoping for a little one. As I know you did, but it wasn't so. Still, really, it'll be lots more fun when you're at home all the time, won't it? Good night now, darling. Sweet dreams and all my love always. Olga
Letter 7, 29th of September 1944. Good afternoon, sweetheart. I just finished a three-mile cross-country run about an hour ago and my leg muscles are already stiffening up. Roll on tomorrow and I'll be hobbling around on a couple of sticks. However, I can still give the youngsters a good pair of legs. I came in first and the prize, of course, was 50 cigarettes. Some folks have no imagination whatsoever. Yes, ducks, the lifting of blackout must have meant a good deal to you after five years of continuous, complete darkness. I was much more lucky since Durban, Cairo, etc. were never properly blacked out and last Christmas the ban was lifted on Jerusalem. As the army aren't half so particular as the civil air raid wardens and police. I've seen the desert looking like Boomtown with its twinkling lights, ours and Jerry's, and things are pretty easy here, where every plane is ours and those with crosses are only carrying wounded. Funny, isn't it? We've always talked and thought that the war and blackout and restrictions and everything such would all be ended just like that at a stroke. Yet, of course, all these things will gradually go so that it's hard to determine the vital turning points. That's why it's so important to recognise them when they do occur. There was another little problem, but you settled that at the end of your letter. I've been waiting and hoping for news of a little one. However, that's that, so we'll just say... Here's to the next time. May it be soon. That's my all for the moment. I'll wait and see if I get a letter this evening. Dinner is ready. Smells good. Let you know later if it comes up to expectation. Cheery bye and toodaloo. Letter A, 7th of October, 1944. Good morning, darling. I've an hour to spend whilst awaiting news of the next job. Well, where there's tanks, there's mud. Mud in large capitals and deep quagmires, and our little orchard is no exception. However, with a nice hut now to live in, built by ourselves out of scrap galvanised sheets, bits of timber, etc., and roofed with asphalt roofing felt. We've even got windows, a door, hooks, shelves and other home comforts, including beds made from iron mesh, which was used for road construction. When cut out and bent to shape, it makes quite a comfortable bed. I'm not likely to be home for some months after the defeat of Germany, except for a possible leave, and that's very remote at the moment. And since Burma seems the destination of many troops now in England, I don't particularly fancy returning just now. I can't send my love, but you've all my loving thoughts. Cyril. Letter 15, Friday the 13th of October, 1944. Evening, my darling. Friday the 13th proved to be a lucky day, for it brought along your letter number 8 this morning. There are to be drastic cuts in civil defence, and all the office staff are cut 50%, so out of six in our office, only three will be staying. Elsie and I are to do alternate nights at Norfolk Road, which after the 15th will be HQ for operational purposes in any emergency. All our control girls are finished completely, and I should say it's a wangle on the part of the city engineer that Elsie and I will be here at all. A few months ago, I even had visions of being at home for Christmas, and you being home soon afterwards, but in that respect my spirits keeps dropping, and you yourself don't seem very optimistic about things, though heaven knows I'd rather you stay there for a while than be anywhere near the Burma cruise. It certainly seems to have become a slogging match in Belgium and Holland, but surely there must be a snap somewhere soon. At night our skies seem to be full of planes, all Germany-bound. The destruction there must be pretty terrible. 
I'm going to close now and get this in this afternoon's post. Cheerio, ducks. Take care of yourself. You have all my love, always. Olga. Good evening, my darling. Almost nine o'clock. I'm in bed. One of the crew is making the porridge. The others have gone out to the local pub. It's an hour or so before we'll turn out the light. There's nothing I'd like better than the comfort of an hour in your presence. It's rained every day this week and culminated today in a steady downpour. Our hut has stood the test wonderfully and we're dry and snug, but all around us is a sea of mud with the apple trees standing out like stakes in a tidal estuary. As you'll have gathered, we take a day off on Sundays. Hope the rain has done its worst for I shall be out tomorrow and busy all day. Thanks for everything. I return my dirty laundry in the empty box in which father sent me a parcel. Please don't send any milk. When we came here, all the cows had been killed, but now the farmers are getting restocked and we can get as much as we want from a nearby farm at three pence per pint. I could use some of Davy's best coffee, not only for self, but for a French family I sometimes visit. He was the local butcher until the invasion. Now his house, shop and everything is just a pile of rubble. He's a wife, two children and a third one on the way, and they're making do with odds and ends of furniture loaned by friends in a barn, which has made a surprisingly good temporary house. They make me very welcome with what they have and can put quite a good meal on the table cooked as only the French and a little girl I know can cook. And then they finish with roast corn coffee. Talk about the sublime to the ridiculous. Good night, sweetheart mine. Cyril. Kisses. Letter 17, Sunday 22nd of October 1944. Good evening, my darling. I went round to Mary's last night. Jean is nine weeks old now and coming on fine. I only saw her in a cot last night as she was fed and put down at six and I left before I last feed. I suppose the same wonderful thing will happen here one day. I'm sure I shall think I've got the world at my feet. When I look at her laid quite content in the cot, I realise all we're missing. So hurry home, ducks. Well, the war moves on. The Russians are now in East Prussia. We are still moving slowly forward on one front. Surely something will happen soon. For two hours yesterday, I saw and heard hundreds of heavy bombers going out. We hear tonight they dropped their loads on much bombed Essen. That whole area must be a lovely wreck by now. How they stand up to that scale of bombing at all beats me. When people still love to tell their stories of the Sheffield Blitz, and that must be nothing in comparison. It's time to sign off now. It's 11.15 and I guess you're getting down in that lovely mesh bed you drew for me. You poor darling. We'll make it up one day. Don't think I mean by that you can have more than half the bed. Sweet dreams and all my lovers always. Olga. Letter 10, 20th of October, 1944. Friday evening, darling. So I'm starting a letter which will occupy most of my spare time during the weekend. There's been one or two small changes since I last wrote. I'm no longer living, eating, sleeping and working in the mud, only working in it. At the moment I'm sat in a corner on a pile of straw at the foot of a pillar with a hurricane lamp on the ledge formed by the square step at the base. It's a well-proportioned building and I believe in peacetime was a showplace. It's a well-preserved specimen of Norman architecture, although I think some features of it are more recent. So much for our new billet, our new job is just about as unusual. 
They're working with lorries on dumps and the lorries have a nasty habit of getting stuck in the muddy fields. So for a few days we've been loaned to these people to help them towing out their bogged transport. Hard work and long hours, but thank goodness it's something useful. Because we're away from the unit, I expect our mail will be delayed a few days. Your parcel of 8th of October weekend is already a week overdue. It's almost nine now and I've been hard at it since first thing this morning with another long day tomorrow, so it's me for the blankets. Good night, sweetheart. Pleasant dreams and may they soon come true. Letter 18, Friday the 3rd of November, 1944. Good evening, my darling. I mustn't forget to tell you that you're not the only one at number 14 now who wears trousers. No, your wife has taken to them for night duty anyway. I got them on Tuesday and I'm quite fussy about them. It's a very cold place here at night and I think it's very suitable attire for the job. Don't frown, ducks. I don't look half as bad as you imagine. Well, ducks, I don't grumble when I read of the conditions you're living under in your last letter. Your bed of straw reminded me of the manger. I'm glad you're working and, as you say, doing something useful. I'm also glad you are no nearer the front than you are. Forgive me for saying it if it isn't your sentiments too. Maybe one day we shall go to France together again. Then you can show me these places. All the other thousand and one plans are being saved too, so hurry and finish that war. Remember, we're going up the west coast of Scotland next year. I just had the news on and heard recordings of all the great celebrations in Paris. It certainly sounded as though the city had gone mad. Things seem to be stirring up in Italy now. I guess we're going to see something happen there before long. I mean, political, not military. Cheerio now, darling, with all my love and paper kisses. Olga. Letter 11, 12th of November 1944. A Squadron, 2nd Fife and Forfar. Yeomanry, British Liberation Army. Hello, darling. So many things have happened, I hardly know where to start. First of all, I've been transferred to another unit. At the moment, I'm still in the process and don't know my new address. I hope to get it within the next few hours, so I'm writing this in readiness for a speedy posting. Well, Angel, I certainly shall be glad when we do arrive. I've now spent a week in either travelling or waiting to travel. And in spite of my interest in travel and foreign countries, I hate moving around in army style. France, Holland, Belgium, Germany, and not forgetting the Middle East... It will have been a good run by the time this lot's over. Which one would you like to visit for our first post-war holiday? Don't know when I'll get the letter. It may be weeks before it comes through the old unit. Cheerio. Love and kisses to my dream girl, Cyril. Letter 12, 13th of November, 1944. Hello, darling. I'm starting this today whilst awaiting tea time sat on my bed in a little bivy tent in a pine wood. All is quiet, just the drip, drip, dripping of the fir trees, shedding the light, misty rain. Just the scent of the pines and the drift of wood smoke from our neighbours. Now and then the rumble of the guns just to remind us that there is a war somewhere far away and remote from this Monday afternoon reverie. After the hectic rush of travel and transfers from one country to another from one unit to another, and repeated until it just became routine. It's grand now to think once again I've become part of a pattern and not merely a loose piece shuffled about at the whim of an assortment of orderly room clerks. 
I haven't had time yet to form any impressions of the unit. Of course, it's scotch and therefore it's necessary, among other things, to acquire a liking for salty porridge in the morning instead of the sweet English variety. Some of the unit appear to be originals, but many are reinforcements from all parts of Great Britain. They've been in the forefront of the advance almost from D-Day, so many are hoping that the talk of Christmas leave at home may become possible. I was sorry we came through at such a pace that it was impossible to get much of an idea of what was happening in the liberated areas. We'd been stagnating so long in Normandy that we'd almost forgotten that there were other areas where the people were more friendly. One can't altogether blame the Normandy peasants. Throughout history they've been noted for their greed and ignorance. The term Normandy peasant in French means an avaricious clod. They were fairly well treated by the Germans and liberation meant for many not freedom but the destruction of their homes, farms and all they possessed together with the inconvenience of the army occupation which still exists in its supply dumps, road traffic etc. In general the people weren't very enthusiastic although I did meet some exceptions. After that type of experience, imagine the change when we got into northeastern France, across the Seine and the character of the country changes. Welcome smiles, folks coming to the doors as the convoy passes, waving and shouting bon voyage and good luck. The second night we stopped near a small town and the folks come out en masse. Each collects two or three of the lads and it's no use protesting. They just drag you away to spend the night in their homes, giving you all their meagre supplies. Next morning you find that not only have your boots been cleaned but your socks are mended and Ah, messieurs, if only you were staying a day and we could wash your clothes. That was our experience in northern France. In Belgium it was a little different. The people were even more friendly, more enthusiastic. Everyone in uniform was a friend to them. I went into three different cafes and in neither was I allowed to pay for a drink. I was invited to meals, to sleep, to stay everywhere. Each time instead I moved on and on and on. Oh, the pity of it all, said I, feeling so sorry for myself. However, the war has still to be won and they've picked on me. Never mind, ducks. It'll be better than having to tell all the kids their daddy won the war picking apples in a Normandy orchard. Notebook entry. There in the midst of barren waste, dotted here and there with stunted arid thorn, I came upon a patch of flowers a multicoloured blaze of glory, so cool and calm, arresting in its magnificence, enchanting with its fragrance. Speechless with wonder and reverence, I gazed, humble yet uplifted. Seemed to see childish hands plucking the rainbow hues and happy laughs echoing on the strings of memory. 16th of November, 1944 had a busy day yesterday and was on guard last night. Quite like old times in the desert. This afternoon I had an unexpected pleasure. I fired my first shot into Germany. Don't know what I hit, but one can't go wrong now we're playing them on their home ground. I'm getting to know the chaps better now. They seem a good crowd and work well together. Yesterday someone accidentally pulled the trigger just as a pig was passing by. It was no use leaving it to waste. Tonight this huge barn looks like a cross between a butcher's shop and Hell's Kitchen with an odour of frying pork chops pervading overall. Electric light from spare batteries, a wireless set from God knows where, there's nothing like making oneself comfortable and that's one thing you can always trust the lads to do wherever they're alone for five minutes. 
We've got our winter woolies at last and the frost last night certainly warranted them. We've also got our new overalls, zipped from ankle to neck, made of waterproof fabric, fleece-lined, about a dozen pockets complete with hood and elastic inner sleeves to prevent the rain running down neck or up arms. I'm in bed. The nine o'clock news has just started. Advances and attacks all over the place. Phew. What's this? Well, I'm damned. Here I am, lying in bed, my breath like steam, my nose and fingers slowly losing all sense of reality. Colder yet and colder, and that man has just announced that the manufacture of ice cream is to recommence. That's the last straw. I'm going under the blankets. Good night, darling. My love is rather frosty tonight. Weather, not lack of order. Darling, however, I've only one pair of feet to warm, so I'll send you all my love and even one teeny paper. Kiss. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds. And they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Letter 23. Friday the 24th of November 1944. Evening, sweetheart. On Monday, I received your letter number 12. However did you find time for 10 pages, darling, in your busy life? I'm glad you're liking your new unit, though it must inevitably take time to settle down. Almost like going to a new job, isn't it? Please don't get too used to salty porridge. I should hate to have to make two separate lots, and I couldn't like it salty. It was a pity that you had to pass so quickly through France and Belgium when the people there were so grand. It must have been a grand experience anyway, and something you've seen for yourself. I sent a parcel on Tuesday with shaving cream and cocoa enclosed. I had to put the cocoa in that tin, but I enclosed the label so that you would see it is sweetened. I thought that might be a help if your sugar ration is short. How do you fare for milk for your cocoa? If you can't get it, I can mix your cocoa with dried milk, and that would only need the addition of boiling water. I must congratulate you on firing your first shot into Germany. You must have got quite a kick out of that. The thing that worries me is that you are near enough to do it. 
I guess you know by now what it feels like to walk on German soil too. Oh, do take care of yourself, sweetheart. I often wish I was there with you myself. Sorry the BBC announcer gave you such a shock when he mentioned ice cream. Actually, I haven't seen any yet, but it was so that manufacture could get underway for next year. Oh, think of it, ducks. We may be having ice cream with our homegrown strawberries next year. All my love and kisses, Olga. Letter 23, November 1944 Good morning, darling. I hope you received the short note I sent when I changed my address. I might get some mail in another week. Nothing has yet followed me in my wanderings, so I've been without news of you for over three weeks. They'll have to stop the war for a couple of days when my mailbag does arrive. I'm enclosing a couple of slips we've been given to send home. They explained themselves, and I gave you the information some while ago, but I thought it'd be handy if you and Milden Road both had a copy. At the moment, I'm living in a Dutch house. There are four of us in this billet, and we're all part of the family. At least that's how we're being treated. We sleep in the kitchen, the rest of the family sleep in two other rooms. There's the father and three sons and a daughter, all in their twenties. In addition, they have a boy and his two sisters, 13, 11 and 9. These are refugees. The daughter seems to mother the lot of us. She's a big lass, built on sound Dutch lines, radiating good humour all day. The old man makes himself generally useful. The other three go out to work. In the morning, one of them comes in and lights the fire and puts water to heat. We get up to find four bowls of hot water all ready by the time our beds are rolled up and put away. However, when I returned after tea, it was to find that we were going to have a little do. One of our chaps had been up to the forward tanks and scrounged a piece of pork which he'd given to Anna. She cooked it and with spuds, runner beans and apple sauce, they made a meal and insisted that we four should help them to eat it. It was a grand meal. The beans had been preserved in jars and were a grand change after the monotony of army carrots and dried peas. After the pots were washed, we four, the three children and one of the sons sat down to a game of rummy, very similar to the English method of play. It's now getting on for ten and I've yet to clean my boots, so I'll ring off and write again this weekend with my impressions of the Belgian capital. With all my love, Cyril. Letter 16, 29th November 1944. Good evening, sweetheart. Moved on. At the moment, we're on the fringe of a little town. At mealtimes, we gather round the cook's truck. About 70 soldiers and 50 children. I read an article this afternoon in an old Sunday pictorial in which the reporter wrote about Europe's dead-end kids. Looking at the crowd round the truck, I also thought of the problems of the post-war world. The article had mentioned the malnutrition and ill health. Among these children, you could count 20 or so who were obviously suffering so. The staple diet here is potatoes and the swollen stomachs and misshaped bodies testify to the ill-balanced food. In addition, the religion is Roman Catholic, so strong that birth control is unknown. Our chaps had a count of children under 14 in the houses on this road just to satisfy our own curiosity. They found 108 children in the first 10 houses. A few are refugees, but most are locals. The troops are still a novelty and a perpetual source of playmates. There is in some places, particularly in the big towns, a certain amount of theft and begging, but it all seems centred around the food supply. Even when they ask, cigarette for papa, it's usually so they can sell them and buy food. These children here are very well mannered. 
They never beg or ask, but at mealtimes they all gather round and watch us eat. I'm beginning to dread the ordeal every day of standing there and eating a good meal under the gaze of a crowd of youngsters. Standing there in their patched clothes in the cold wind and rain, many with pinched blue faces. They all look as though they need the food far more than we do, but what can one give them? We can't feed all, and if you give one anything, the kid shares it with the rest of his relations, if possible, or if too small to be shared, eats it himself. In any case, watched by all the others. None are starving, but they are just not getting a proper diet. These things seem far worse tragedies than the more spectacular blood and slaughter side of warfare. Cheerio, keep smiling. I'll save a few for you, but you can have the rest of my love and kisses. Cyril. Letter 27, Sunday the 17th of December 1944. Evening, sweetheart. Here we are, ducks, with one week to go to Christmas. It may even be that this letter won't reach you until after then, and I don't think I managed to wish you a Merry Christmas in my last letter. Well, darling, you know all I wish you for then and the new year, don't you? And to think that next year, all being well, we shall be celebrating Christmas together here at home. That is the happiest thought of all. You will probably be surprised to know that your wife is going into uniform to help win the war off. Don't get alarmed, it's rescue uniform. With Elsie leaving, it means I'll have to do some of Elsie's duties in turn, which means a voluntary duty every tenth night. So, as volunteers, five of us are going to be issued with uniform, coupon-free. It's time all good girls were in bed now, quarter past midnight, so I'm signing off, darling, with, as usual, all my love, Olga. Letter 18, 8th of December, 1944. Good evening, darling. Half an hour to spare whilst they're clearing up after supper, and that's my opportunity to commence this letter. There's nothing much to write about except the general situation in liberated Europe. The news from the different countries is most disturbing. The withholding of supplies from Yugoslavia, the civil war in Greece, trouble in France and the struggle in Belgium... There's no word strong enough to describe what we think of these things. We invaded the continent to free the peoples of Europe. It's been a hard fight and will be even harder. Our comrades in arms have been the organised resistance movements in France, Belgium and Holland. And I dare say the other armies would include the Greeks. Yet here we are on the verge of the final attack on the Nazis' lair. And what are we doing? Straining every nerve and muscle to overcome the difficulties of mud and floods. Altogether, regulars and partisans, a combined team inspired with a spirit and determination to finish fascism forever. Well, some of us are moving forward. The rest of us are preserving law and order, the laws of capitalism and the order of neo-fascism. To die in battle against the Nazis is a vastly different thing to getting killed in a struggle against our comrades of the resistance movement. Good night, my dream girl. All my love and paper kisses until those dreams come true. Cyril. You know, we think of the Second World War as, you know, a very high-tempo environment where there was all sorts of stuff going on, and there was all sorts of stuff going on, but to the individual, there was actually a lot of waiting around, at times anyway, and you know, that gave Cyril plenty of opportunity to write home to Olga. My name is Joss Moforth, and Cyril and Olga were my grandparents. You know, the stuff they were writing about, beyond the love letter type stuff, it was all the 
nitty-gritty detail of how to live in the 1940s. It just gives you a bit more of an insight to what day-to-day -day life was like for my grandparents uh, and how that compares to us nowadays. Well, we were brought up on a fairly northern diet, um, quite carbohydrate rich. So, yes, we had porridge in the morning. And I do remember being sent out into the street, even in very, very cold, wet, windy, snowy weather, with a, a piece of, of bread and dripping and salt. So that's, that's what we were sent out to play with. So that's the sort of food that we grew up on, which was what you needed when it was cold and wet and windy. My name is Sue Moforth, and Cyril and Olga were my parents. I don't remember what we put in the porridge, whether it was sh um, syrup, honey, or... I should imagine at home we actually put honey in it, because Dad kept bees when we lived down south, so he would have preferred the honey, because he did have a bit of a sweet tooth. It doesn't really matter if it was wartime or not, uh, just that they were... A, that they were expressing uh, their daily tasks and their feelings and what they were thinking uh, through, through letters. My name is Linnea Moforth and Cyril and Olga were my grandparents. It's very precious to, to be able to, to read that and uh, I think uh, maybe they actually got to know each other uh, better through that experience than if they had just been together like in, in regular times and, uh, and uh, just getting straight into to family life. I have no idea where that connection in uh, mum and dad's minds came from. I know dad had done a lot of cycling, the whole length and breadth of the UK, and I've still got the maps, his cycling maps, that he used. And quite a lot of them were round Loch Lomond and up the west coast of Scotland. He must have spoke so movingly about the scenery. And we know from the letters how he can express scenery and really bring it to life. He obviously wanted to visit that part of the world again. And so mum wanted to visit him, it with him. But um, they never did. Join us next week for episode 7 of History's Letters of Love in World War II. Subscribe to Letters of Love in World War II and please don't forget to rate and review us. We'd love to hear your thoughts. For more information, head to history.co.uk or follow us on Twitter, Facebook and Instagram. Just search for at History UK. Letters of Love in World War II was written and produced by Anna Priestland, edited by Joel Porter and produced and directed by Sam Pearson. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, 
Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code PROGRAM. Whether you're a morning person or a bedtime procrastinator, everyone deserves a mattress that works for their style. And you'll find the best mattress for you at Ashley. The new Temper Adapt Collection at Ashley brings you one-of-a-kind body-conforming technology, making every sleep tailored to be your best. The collection also features cool-to-the-touch covers and motion absorption to help minimize sleep disruptions from partners, pets, or kids. Shop the all-new Temper Adapt Collection at Ashley in-store or online at ashley.com. Ashley, for the love of home.